Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Scott. Hey, yo. He's got his younger brother. It's gonna be Jeff. The cream rise to the top. Oh, yeah. And you're listening to all of the great action figures from our good friends at Hasbro. The fully postable. Have your own WrestleMania with all your favorite figures. Wrestling figure. He sold separately from LJN. Podcast. And we are the Mount Rushmore of professional <laughs> wrestling. Hey, welcome to episode 296 of the Fully Opposable Wrestling Figure Podcast. Longest running episodic wrestling figure podcast going today. My name is Jeff and sitting alongside next to me is my real life brother, not storyline brother, Scott. Scott, say hello. Hello. Scott, usually at this point I ask you how you're doing. You know, the usual gibberish that we do at the beginning, but I'm going to kind of bring it down a little bit. This past week, we lost a great, great mind in Norm MacDonald. And I know this is a wrestling figure podcast, but I really wanted to start off the show due to my love of comedy. I love comedy movies, comedians. I, I love it all. And Norm MacDonald was one of those bright minds in comedy that always made me laugh. I met the guy twice. I met him outside of a bathroom at San Jose Improv. He was fantastic. Uh, talked to him about Artie Lang. Talked to him about Saturday Night Live. And he took his time with me. It was kind of cool. It was just right outside the bathroom. I had to go piss. But he was right there and he was willing to talk to me. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to bypass this. But that's Norm MacDonald. And he's he was fantastic in the comedy world. And to lose him, it felt like we had lost a wrestler. Like, usually you guys hear the sadness in our voice when we lose a, a wrestler. Well... This week, the sadness comes from losing Norm MacDonald, and nobody knew he had cancer, and he kept it a secret for so, so long, and that was because he wanted to continue making people laugh. He didn't want the focus to be on him. He wanted to just keep making people laugh, and we lost a great one this week in Norm MacDonald. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh, Norm, dude, because we hadn't talked about what we were going to talk about at the beginning of the show, and... That's what I was going to talk about when you asked how things were going. So I'm glad that you brought it up, but you're absolutely right. A great mind in comedy. You watch some of his bits from Saturday Night Live and just a genius, a comedic genius. Dirty Work is one of my favorite comedies of all time. I love it. Hilarious movie. If you've never seen it, it's Norman Artie. We actually went and saw it in a movie theater way mm-hmm. back when, when it came out and just love that movie. And it, this seems like the kind of weekend where maybe you just kick back and watch some Norm Macdonald films, jump on YouTube, watch his stuff from SNL, watch some of his stand-up. You're right, Jeff. We lost a great mind. R.I.P. Norm. If you guys do go onto YouTube, there is a YouTube channel called I'm Not Norm. And all it is is about Norm Macdonald. His segments on Conan O'Brien are on there. Um, David Letterman, just Saturday Night Live. It's just a bunch of clips of Norm Macdonald. And I've watched that a few times since he's passed. And each time I just laugh hysterically. There was actually one time, and this moment I could watch over and over on my roughest days, I will just pop this on. But there was a time on Conan O'Brien, Norm Macdonald was the first guest in. The second guest was, for all you Melrose Place fans, Courtney Thorne-Smith. She's the second guest on. Well, Norm kept hijacking the interview. Well, Courtney Thorne Smith was in to promote chairman of the board, which is a 1990s, 
I don't know how many people remember it, but it was a 1990s film that was horrible with Courtney Thorne Smith and Carrot Top. <laughs> Carrot Top? He had a movie? He, he was in a movie with Courtney Thorne Smith, dude. Wow. He turned a 20-minute bit into a film? So when wow. Courtney Thorne Smith is up there, they didn't announce what the name of the movie was. So Conan's about to end the segment, and Conan goes, okay, title undetermined, and Courtney Thorne Smith goes, chairman of the board. And he goes, oh, it does have a title. And Conan goes, looks over at Norm MacDonald, and he goes, do something with that, you freak. And Norm, quick-witted, and this is a comedian's mind, just improv, goes, I I bet board is spelled B-O-R-E-D. <laughs> and I, you, you see the laughter on Conan O'Brien. He just loses it. And Courtney Thorne Smith is trying to contain it because it's her film, but then she loses it. And <laughs> that's just how quick-witted he was and how just the mind of Norm MacDonald. It was fantastic. So after that, Scott, how are you doing? I'm good, dude. Like I said, I'm glad you brought it up. I know you were a big Norm fan. I knew we were going to get into it. But, uh, dude, I'm good. Uh, Last Friday, I had mentioned on last week's show that I was going to kiss on Friday night. And, dude, I don't want to go on and on about it. All I'll say is Shannon bought me the tickets. We were three rows back. Center stage just right in front of Paul Stanley the entire evening. I got amazing pictures. I had the time of my life when that curtain dropped and kiss came out. It was immediately a top five moment in my life and I'll never forget it. And just the entire time I'm sitting there third row, cause I've never sat that close really for any concert. I was as close as I've ever been. And that includes like general admission floor. These were actually assigned seats And to any concert, I've never had seats that good. But all I could think the entire show was one-and-a-half-year-old me thinking back to, like, all those Kiss records that I was listening to would have just lost his mind being at this show and being that close to Kiss. And here I am, 47 years old. I'm super close to Paul Stanley and then Gene and Tommy Thayer when they would walk across the front of the stage. It was an amazing experience. I also caught six picks that night. I caught five from Paul, of which I caught three. Shannon caught one, and then one bounced off the person in front of us, and I snatched it up off the ground. The sixth pick I caught from Gene Simmons, and it was a blind catch. I swear, I had the lights from the stage kind of in my eyes. Gene, and Shannon made it happen. She was like leaning over the top of me. She was like, he loves, she was like yelling at Gene, like, he loves you guys. Gene kind of looked at me, and he flicked the pick. Dude, I swear, I reached out with my left hand, and just closed it, pulled it back, opened it up, pick was sitting there. I had like snow cone caught it with just closing my hand. Super lucky catch. It's like the sandlot when they just tell him to put the glove up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so six picks, amazing experience. The wife made it happen. Time of my life, amazing show. So that's how I'm doing. It was amazing. It's one of those moments I will never repeat again. And I'm just so happy to have experienced it. It was incredible. That's awesome, dude. I know Kiss is like one of your favorite bands. Top two, three favorite bands of all time. No, they're my favorite band of all time, dude. I've listened to them seriously since I was like one. Our older half-brothers got me involved in them. And I've been hooked ever since. 
Not over Pantera. Nah, it's like a one in one A, but it is it kisses first, dude. It's kiss uh, and then Pantera. Okay, okay. I was so happy to hear you on Saturday. Just the joy in your voice and how happy you were, and I, you were like gloating. I shouldn't say gloating. That was that's not the right word. Glowing, maybe. Glowing, uh, just from the excitement of being that close. And then on top of that, the infamous story of Gene's pick going right in your hand. That's awesome, dude. I'm glad you had a great time. Thanks, uh, dude. I'm glad you got to see him on their 930th farewell tour. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll see him again on the, I, I'm sure you'll see him again on their 931st farewell tour. But I'm happy for you, dude. Thank you very much. I'm just super happy I got to experience that with Shan. She's almost as big of a Kiss fan as I am. If not now, maybe bigger than I am. Like she just, she totally digs their music. So it was just great to experience that with her and just an incredible, incredible time. So they're going to be in Vegas in January and February at Planet Hollywood. And we're starting to have preliminary discussions about possibly going to see them in Vegas. So TBD, as they say. Ah, so was this the Aquanet Minute, by the way? Uh, No, that would actually be next. Thank you for bringing it up. This suggestion actually comes in from Luis Rivera, who left me a great voicemail the other day. He was driving (laughs) back from the Giants and Broncos game, and he did a little recording, sent it my way. This one was going to be on the list at some point for sure, but Luis recommended it, and I was like, great call, dude. So this week's Aquanet Minute is Eskimo Cowboy, We Got Moves. It's their new song that just popped up on YouTube. Did you seriously just hijack Aquanet Minute with some garbage? Whoa. Garbage. Hold on. Garbage. No, that is fantastic music. Oh, it's the seventh best song of 2021. Uh, We'll see. We'll see when that's done. Because Hypa Hypa was the best song of 2020. Well, I mean, seventh, seventh best from the bottom. Like oh. all of the other songs are above it. Such a dick move. I know. I know. You're the one hijacking Aquanet Minute. Uh, Go for it. Go for it. Album brought to you this week on Aquanet Minute by Luis Rivera. Great suggestion. Cinderella Night Songs. Uh, Okay. I can't argue that one. Yeah. It's their debut album. It was fantastic. Uh, I guess they're local boys to where Luis is. He's in Jersey, correct? Uh, Outside of New York? Jersey area? He's up in the north northeast. Yes, north. Oh, there you go, Jeff. Northeast. Well, I guess Cinderella's from Philadelphia, so they're local boys to him. So, you know, close to him. They made it big in the '80s. Great hair metal album. Shake Me is a classic. Amazing, amazing record. Go check it out. I don't know that their second album. It went more bluesy. This one was more of a um. It had more of a hair metal sound. Their next one that came out in 88 was Long Cold Winter. A little more bluesy. Like, they really started to get into a little more blues mixed with the hair metal. But this was like your staple 80s hair metal rock. Amazing. It had your ballad, which, if you know anything about 80s hair metal, your record wasn't shit unless you had a ballad on it. You had to have a ballad on your record. It was just like rule number one. But the rest of it... Even the ballad. The rest of the album is fantastic, too. Definitely worth a listen. Cinderella Night Songs. Ten minutes into the show, and we haven't talked one wrestling figure yet. Hey, you know, sometimes that happens. We need to catch the people up on what's going on with us. (laughs) 
we have to catch the listeners up on the Aquanet Minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which actually ended up being like five minutes because you hijacked it. People. <laughs> you know, he didn't say that once. Oh, no. What? That, okay. You, d- you need a refund. Okay. To his credit, he did just recover from COVID. So did Gene. So I'm going to forgive him. People, get your shots. You know, that's what he should be saying. <laughs> he didn't say that at all. Oh. There was nothing about vaccines. <laughs> there was nothing about anything. Well, considering none of the crowd was wearing masks. But aside from that. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. If anybody would like to get any of our shirts, head on over to Pro Wrestling Tees or WhatAManeuver.net. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, and the Book of Faces at Fully Opposable. Instagram, Fully Opposable, WF. P. You can go back and listen to any of our past podcasts on Podbean. You can go all the way back to Episode 1, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Please rate and review on iTunes. Scott, we have a review this week. Ooh. Gave us a sweet five stars. It comes in from Tones, T-O-N-E-S, 280-22802. That's the same combination I have on my luggage. <laughs> What a coincidence. <laughs> is this you, Jeff? Is this you, Tones? <laughs> no. It's from Spaceballs. I've, I'm, I'm in the comedy mood. I've been watching a lot of Norm on YouTube. It says, from Classic Match Classroom, Fully Posable is where it's at, folks. Make sure you tune in to them just as we are. We give this show a very solid A grade, exclamation point. Tyler and Anthony of Classic Match Classroom. Thank you, guys. That means a lot. Thank you so much. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, guys. We truly do appreciate the kind words. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Scott, you and I received an amazing package earlier this week, and I can't thank this gentleman enough. His name is Brian Tipping. He's on Twitter, at iCandyTattoo, and Brian sent over two pillow buddies of Mr. Perfect. And Brian also does the sketch art for Cella Toys. And he sent over the King Haku and a couple other sketch arts. It's amazing. This has really helped this week for us. Um, It's really brightened up our week. And honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you, man. We cannot thank you enough. Scott, I'll get these out to you next time I see you. But your jaw's going to be on the floor, honestly, when you see what Brian sent us. Yeah, Brian, thank you so much, man. It's it's moments like this that really, man, it, it fuels us to keep this show going. It really does. Like, we might be having a down week or whatever, and you guys, without even knowing it, whether it be a message or, in Brian's case, a tremendous gift like this, it really brings us up. You know, and come Thursday, we're not like, ugh great. We have to record another show. It's just like, yeah, let's do this, dude. Like our listeners, they want the show every Sunday and we're going to give it to them. Brian, thank you so much for the gift. Jeff actually FaceTimed me last night. I was out grocery shopping with Shannon and Peyton and Jeff called. And normally like you don't call me, dude, like unless it's an emergency, like unless something is truly up, you don't call. So when I saw your name pop up on my phone, I was like, okay, what's going on? And I normally wouldn't answer the phone. I'm out grocery shopping, but it was you. And I was like, all right, what happened? And then you showed me everything that Brian had sent and I was just blown away. And just the rest of the shopping trip, I was like, man, we we truly do have the best listeners in podcasting. There's just no doubt in my mind. You guys just, you never cease to amaze. 
Brian, thank you so much. That really does mean the world to us. Absolutely. And it really brightened up the week. So thank you so much, Brian. Um, He says it was for episode 300. Well, thank you again on episode 300 because these are just amazing, man. So thank you so much for going out of your way and sending these over from, from overseas. You know, thank you, man. Thank you, Brian. Absolutely. I guess we can get into Stockton Con. Uh, yeah. I mean, not a whole lot to talk about, really. There was Jerry the King Lawler. Yep. Booker T. Yep. Victoria. Yep. And the NWO, which was Hall, Nash, and X-Pac. Absolutely. And what did you get signed? I got Razor's Defining Moment, which is the figure that you and GBM bought for me. It was one that I had wanted forever and just never got around to getting it. And you guys were like, screw it, we're getting it for you. Well, I did the figure justice, got it signed, did yellow paint pen, and went and met Booker T, got his Harlem Heat Elite signed, also in yellow paint pen, which just coincidentally both looked great with yellow over them. So both got signed in yellow paint pen, not much variety there, but had a great time meeting Booker T. He was super personable, took his time with us. Great guy, took his time with the kids that were in line in front of us. Awesome dude. And went and met Scott Hall. He was kind of quiet. Just, you know, told him thank you. It was an honor meeting him, and he was just kind of quiet. Um, didn't meet Nash, didn't meet X-Pac, bypassed them in line, got the razor signed, but you got a lot more signed than I did. Yeah, it's funny. I went up to uh, Nash and I was getting situated and I had the stuff for Nash and I had a paint pen ready to go for both things I was getting signed. And I was getting the retro diesel signed and I was getting the, I said last week on the show splinter, but it was actually shredder. My bad. Well, I knew what you meant. Yeah, thanks. Hopefully everybody else did. I didn't get called out on omission. I guess I just caught myself. And I had a paint pen ready to go. And it was with that uh, teal, that teal color pen that I liked so much that I've gotten with DiBiase and I was going to get with X-Pac as well. Well, anyways, Nash takes the retro, signs Diesel, pushes it off to the side. And I stand up to grab the retro and I put it back in the bag and I stand up. And Nash is staring at me stare, like eye to eye. And he's holding up a green paint pen. And it's a deco color fine tip. And I'm not a fan of fine tips, paint pens. And I said, are you sure? And this lady was sitting behind Nash. She says, yes, he signed so many of these. It comes out green. And he goes, hold on, check it out. He goes, the green matches the green in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the front. And I said, well, if you signed a bunch of these, I trust you. So I put the paint pen that I originally had, put it with my X-Pac stuff. He signed it. It came out fantastic. I go with the green that Nash recommends. He has it sitting there on his table. It came out perfect. It's a little bit finer than the way I like it, but it still pops and it still looks amazing. So it does look really good, dude. That was a great choice. Yeah, exactly. So he has that pen ready to go. And it's funny too, because our buddy Cody had that same figure ready to go for him when he got up there. And I said, dude, he's going to have a green paint pen ready for you when you get up there. And he goes, yeah, but it's a fine tip. And I said, it comes out. Okay, dude. And he goes, all right. I, I like to get the medium tips. I mean, there's a lot of jokes in there. I'm just going to let them go. Yeah, it's paint pen life, dude. <laughs> but isn't that funny that even the wrestlers are getting involved in, like, which one goes with what now? Dude, see what we started? We started this, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know about all that, but we've definitely talked a lot of paint pens. And I think it's great that all of the collectors are jumping on board. But now all the wrestlers are jumping on board as well to the point where they're making suggestions about which color to use. And I think that that's fantastic. 
So it came out great for the shredder, not splinter, Scott. Not splinter. Splinter is a rat. I don't I won't get a rat's autograph. It would have been the biggest rat ever had Nash played Splinter. <laughs> so I bypassed Hall, which I regret now, and I'll tell you why in a second. Went over to X-Pac, and I put down the stuff, and I had every paint pen ready to go for X-Pac. And I go, hey, can I show you one of my favorite pictures? Well, back in New Orleans in 2018, there was a picture of Celeste and I with X-Pac and James Frank and Shannon, his wife. I show it to X-Pac, and he goes, oh, I miss carrying around Lulu, his dog. And I was like, oh, I know, man. And he goes, where was that? I was all New Orleans, 2018 at WrestleCon. And he goes, oh, that's cool. So he signs the figure and he looks back at the picture. And he goes, wait a second, that's James Frank, Jimbo. <laughs> and I was, I was like, yeah. I was all, James and I are friends. And he goes, oh, small world. He goes, how do you know Jimbo? I was all through a show, podcast. And he goes, oh, man, that's great. I didn't push podcast on him, <laughs> you know. Oh, you should have, dude. Then I had the card case ready to go for him. So I pushed it up to him. And X-Pac gets the card case and he sets it down. And he goes, is this for the Hasbro? And I was all, wow. oh, I was all, oh, you already know. Huh? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> so did you tell him that we have like the whole set? No, I didn't say that. But I told him, I was like, I've heard before you had a bunch of them back in the day. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I sold them way back in the day. So anyways, I gathered my stuff and I said, thank you very much. Got the paint bands back. And that was my meeting with X-Pac and uh, Nash. But going back to the Hall comment that I made earlier, I have a Jack's Classic 2 pack with Hall and Nash. And I wish I would have gotten that signed. Steve from PPW actually got that from me from a toy store out in Chicago. And he sent it over to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this signed by Hall and Nash. And I saw it in the totes when I was doing parkour and balancing acts and yoga poses (laughs) and Pilates. Parkour. (laughs) But... I didn't take it out of the bin and I regret it now. You know what? It was when you were talking to me in line, you were like, dude, why didn't you bring that? And I was like, I don't know. I've already spent enough on tickets for these guys. I didn't want to spend any more. And right now I'm kicking my ass over it. Dude, I would have easily not gotten a shredder autograph and paid what you paid for that. And then sprung for an extra 40 bucks just to get that two pack signed. Like, that's my jam is when you can knock out a two-pack. Both guys are right there. That's a no-brainer, dude. I wish you would ask me before. I would have been like, oh, yeah, totally get it signed. That's a must. I know, man. I know. I botched that one. Well, hopefully I get to see him again. Well, Stockton Con is coming back on January 16th next year. So, fingers crossed, he brings those guys back. Well, you said that the names that they bring back in January aren't as big. Yes, obviously because it's only one day. Stockton Con is normally two days in the summer. Winter Con is traditionally one day. That's the case again next year. And usually it's it's not huge names. So I'm keeping fingers crossed and hoping that they buck that trend and we get some big names. But man, it wouldn't surprise me if you brought those guys back. There was, and we only went on Saturday, but there was a huge turnout for Hall & Nash, even in the prepaid line which that's my first first experience waiting that long in the prepaid. I've never waited that long because normally people just show up the day of and pay for it. But a lot of people prepaid for autographs and gosh, three to four times more showed up hoping to get signatures that day and just paying the day of. So great turnout for the NWO. You know, you talked about this a couple of weeks ago. 
you watched Peyton kind of be in her element at SACCON for the uh, anime stuff, right? Yes, for the SAC anime. And it was kind of comical watching Peyton and her friend just go throughout the con looking at stuff and then making friends. And they, they seemed so excited to get pictures with people. So much so that they just ran off with two strangers, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is already asking, when's the next con? So as far as I know, that's going to be Stockton Con in January. But she's getting the itch, man. And she does the whole cosplay thing. She's got a couple of friends that do cosplay. And that's what she wants to go to cons for, is to meet people, take pictures, show off her outfits. It's just, it's one of those things. But I'm still at that awkward age with her where, like, I don't want to let her go on her own. Because there are weirdos, you know, you see them. And, but not wanting to tag along to where I can't go look at stuff. So it's, it's just that awkward age. And I remember it when you and I would go to Disneyland with mom and dad, we'd want to, David and I and you would want to break off and go do our thing, but we weren't old enough yet. Like we had to still stay with the parents. Then when you start to hit like early teens, they're like, okay, just go. And you're like, woohoo, like we're off the leash. Let's go. Peyton's almost there. And I even told her, if you had a couple more friends here with you, we would set a meeting spot, a meeting time, and I would just let you go. So we'll see. Maybe maybe get a few more cons under her belt to the point where I'm a little more comfortable with it. And if she has more friends with her, just let her go. But it's just, man, it's that overprotective parent part of me that's just like, I'm not letting you out of my sight. There's too many exits in this place. Like, I just get a little overprotective, but she's getting to that stage where she just wants to go and not have dad trailing. So... It makes it weird, but it's cool to have a kid that's like, Dad, when's the next con? When are we going to go shopping for more toys? That's pretty cool. Wait a second. You're telling me that there are weirdos at this con? (laughs) What? I know it's not like you to attract them or anything. I know, right? Let me tell (laughs) you. There are a few. (laughs) Uh, Scott, we just have a couple things in the news, so why don't we just get into it? Let's go right into it. There is a new... And I should say another wrestling figure line coming. Shocking. What are we up to? 11? <laughs> At least. Jeez. When the show started, it was two. Now we're up to 11. Now it's one I of think. those things like between recording and the show dropping on Sunday, there's over like five more that have jumped in. <laughs> Keeps mutating. Dude, I'm telling you, they're like gremlins that got wet. <laughs> From a company called Relativity Worldwide. (laughs) Wait, Prestige Worldwide? I was waiting for that. That's why I paused right there. I was waiting for that. (laughs) Are they making figures of boats and hoes? Fingers crossed. Now, apparently this Relativity Worldwide was founded by former Remco Toy Senior Vice President of Marketing, Steve Rosenthal, and Greg Gagne. So here is the, I guess you can kind of say press release. Get back in the ring with us. The team that brought you the original wrestling figures returns. So Popey, those were the original. Okay. What? That was Japan. I think he was referring to the American wrestling figures. It doesn't matter. If you're going to then put that in there, the original American wrestling figures. It's all about the wording. You're such a stickler. I am. I take it too literal. You do. Soon, you, the true fan, will be offered a mind-blowing limited edition series of legendary 
wrestling action figure collectibles. You can check out this little press release. There's nothing on the site. It's called Rel- it's relativityworldwide.com. And you can head on over there. It's basically this press release that is there. Anyways, Relativity Worldwide. Scott, we have more wrestling figures. Could they be in Remco style? We'll see. Well, with Greg Gagne being involved, who had a Remco himself, you've got to think that's the style that they're going with. So I have some suggestions. I don't believe that Playboy Buddy Rose or Doug Summers are locked into any sort of figure deal. Correct. I don't know about Scott Hogg Irwin. God damn it. I'm stopping the show right now. (laughs) I know where this is going. I know I'm stopping the show right now. How dare you? Maybe Wild Bill Irwin. You son of a. Gets locked in. And we get Long Riders Remcos. God damn it. You have to go there. <laughs> Look, Boris Zukov. Yes. Sheik Adnan. Yep. Bachwinkle. Oh, Colonel De Beers. Maybe. You smell what I'm cooking? They can really get out some of the guys that A, never even got a figure, but they had a figure shown at one point, a prototype anyway. What about Sherry Martell? That was another one. Sherry just recently had a figure from WWE. She might be locked into a Legends deal and may not that be was able like to... like three years ago. That was like two. Okay, it was two years ago. I think it was pre-COVID. It, well, you know what? It was pre-COVID. It was 2019, I think. Oh, so, okay. I'm sure that deal's up. They haven't made a Sherry since. What I'm saying is there are names that they can do here, much like Mattel with the retro line. Specifically, that Diesel came out. That was one we all wanted we never got from the original Hasbro. Those map manias are so hard to get. Who knows where the prototypes of Sherry and Colonel De Beers are? They have a chance to really fill up some collections here. They could do a Boris Zukov with the chain. It could be a dead-on copy of the original Remco map mania, and I would be 100% on board with that. I would love it. Greg Gagne, you got to figure, is going to get several variations. He'll be the High Flyers... He'll get Ganya's Raiders. He'll get his singles run. They could even put the TV title on him that he won in the AWA. But I'm excited. I can't wait to see what figures are coming from them. But you got to wonder too, though, with Mattel doing kind of a Remco love letter, what names maybe they've locked down for future series of those guys? Like if they're going to try to do, not copies, but if they're going to pull some of the names that were in the Remco line. To put out, you got to think Shawn Michaels is one, maybe even Marty Jannetty to where they put out the Midnight Rockers. But then you've got these other guys putting out more Remcos, which apparently are going to be limited edition. Dude, we're getting Remcos all of a sudden. That doesn't even include the ones that came out in the He-Man series or the He-Man crossover series. Right. Dude, that's pretty awesome. Remcos making a comeback. Who would have thought in 2021? Super 7 New Japan Series 2 has updated those that pre-ordered that they have shipped and are headed to the States as of September 10th, so just a few days ago. This means they should finally start shipping soon. So Super 7 New Japan Series 2, and we have not heard anything about Series 3. That is not good news. That is definite, especially with Series 2 shipping. Nothing on Series 3, yeah, little concerning. And one other piece of news that dropped between the last recording and tonight. Nerds Clothing put out the back of a retro figure, and it appears to be Hiromu Takahashi. Because it's got the the black hair. It's just the back. You can't confirm, but the way the hands are, the way the hair is, 
you gotta assume it is Hiromu Takahashi retro style figure. That's cool. You're definitely going to be getting that right with or without the Daryl accessory. What? Of course I am, dude. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Because I know you're going to get that Jay White. Taka- or Yeah, Takahashi is going to be an easy get for you. If it comes with Daryl, you're probably buying three. Oh, dude, if they put in that accessory, oh my God, I'd definitely get like three, four, five, give them away as Christmas gifts. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. please. Absolutely. Scott, we have got to hit up the nostalgia segment. What do you say? Let's go talk about it. Before we jump into Elite Series 27, we want you guys to check out WrestlingFigureDatabase.com. While you're over there, check out the series that we are about to go down on. Whoa. What? Whoa. <laughs> Wait, wh- who's doing what? Read the list on... That's what I meant. <laughs> I did oh. not... I never agreed to do this. I bet board is spelled B-O-R-E-D. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, just follow along with us on WrestlingFigureDatabase.com for Elite Series 27. Scott, what you got for this series? Yes, sir. WWE Mattel Elite Series 27 consisted of Badass Billy Gunn. And he was in his neon green gear. He came with a white and black DX shirt and two headbands. Next up, Fondango. And he was in some very colorful tights. And was packaged with a matching entrance vest. Next up, Kofi Kingston. And he was in his orange tights. And came packaged with an I Can Fly shirt accessory. Next up, Rikishi. And there were two versions of Rikishi. He had his red entrance sarong. Yellow sunglasses. And there was a variant. He either had his sarong on. Or he had his sarong off. RVD was packaged with a steel chair accessory. And last up on the list, The Undertaker. And he came packaged with his black hooded entrance robe, which, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe was from WrestleMania 28, the cage match against Triple H. You are correct. Yep, the Hell in the Cell with Shawn Michaels as special guest ref. And, Jeff, that rounds out Mattel WWE Elite Series 27. Guess which figure I was most excited about in this series? Fondango. You are correct. Yep. He was pretty hot when this came out. Who doesn't want a ballroom dancer in their figure collection? (laughs) Thank you, WWE. We never knew we needed that. This list was actually pretty solid, I gotta say. It was Fondango's first elite figure. They always do well on Billy Guns. I love the accessory of the white DX shirt and the black DX shirt. Thought Billy Gun looked great. Rikishi having the sarong off or on. Didn't matter. It looked great. The RVD uh, look cool. I love how they always do the singlet that for RVD because there's a lot of deco that goes into that and the Undertaker look good. So this was a very strong series. Very underrated series. Yeah, totally agree with you. So what was your favorite figure, Scott? Out of this one, I think, man, that's tough. I love the Undertaker's robe, that hooded robe that he came packaged with. That's such a killer entrance gear. But I think Rikishi is my favorite out of all of these it, like you said, Jeff, it didn't matter if he had the sarong on or off. I actually kind of prefer it off because I love his ring gear. But the deco on him was perfect. The inclusion of the sunglasses was a must. 
The head sculpt is perfect. The red entrance sarong, perfect. I think top to bottom, like you said, this is a very strong series. But out of all of them, I got to side with Rikishi as my favorite. Yeah. It's funny, too, because I got that Undertaker at the last San Jose toy show we went to. I remember that. And the dude kind of didn't know what he had. No. So long story long. Basically, I went up to this guy. He had the Undertaker Elite 27. I asked him how much it was or how much he had it for. And he goes, $20? And I'm like, okay. And the story is, is that his brother had passed away. And his brother had been a lifelong wrestling fan, and he had just a a room full of wrestling memorabilia, totes of wrestling figures. See, this is what you're going to have to go through, Scott, when I kick the bucket. (laughs) Or vice versa. Whatever. (laughs) I don't know. I do love Taco Bell. I may go first, dude. (laughs) But his brother had passed away, and he had all this wrestling stuff. And for some reason, he only brought the... Undertaker Elite 27. And I think he had some basics too that were up on the thing. But anyways, I went up to him and I said, hey, how much for the Undertaker? And he goes, 20 bucks. And I'm like, okay, that, that was an easy sell right there. Especially after dropping, I think I dropped two, 200 on the Hogan Storm 210. Yes. Mm-hmm. So easy 20 bucks for the Undertaker Elite 27. So I was like, here you go. And then he started telling us the story about his brother passing away and how his brother lived with him and just all this stuff. And he goes, I have so much more that I'm going to bring back to the next San Jose toy show. Well, unfortunately due to COVID, there was not another San Jose toy show, but I'm still holding them to it. I know. Right. The good news is that there will be a San Jose toy show in less than a month that I am super stoked about. And the bad news is I'm going to aftershock instead. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's bad news or good news. Either way, I won't be there with you. Unfortunately, I was going to say, is that bad news? Cause you got Metallica both nights. Uh, yes, Metallica is Friday and Sunday. Anthrax, Thursday. You know what sucks is Faith No More had taken Limp Biscuits place on Thursday, which was a huge upgrade. But <laughs> Faith No More then had to back out, and they've dropped a bunch of tour dates, and Cypress Hill took their place, which, apologies to Cypress Hill fans, I am not a Cypress Hill fan. Not that I hate their music or anything, I just I've never got into it. So that may be an early night for me. Well, the bad thing is, man, you got Cypress Hill and a Belladonna Anthrax. Ugh, man, are you sure you really want to go to Aftershock? How dare you? Scott, do you want me to go down the eBay list? I would love it if you did that. (laughs) You're about to jump through FaceTime. (laughs) I'll choke you virtually. (laughs) It's like the Jetsons didn't, uh, what was the, um, owner's name? Cogswell? Mr. Cogswell? Something like that. Did he jump through the screen and choke out Jetson or something like that? (laughs) George is like harder daddy (laughs) oh my god dude oh maybe that was the Jetsons I watched on that one videotape never mind (laughs) carry on eBay values (laughs) you're a regular friend from the Howard Stern show dude (laughs) (laughs) the bad thing is is I have to type it up on my cell phone so it takes too long all right (laughs) hold the show up so I can find this this sound bite hold on guys All right, uh, Billy Gunn in the green shorts with the white and black DX shirt. Last sold eBay listing, August 16th for $127. Wow, people do love their Billy Gunn figures. Road Dog and Billy Gunn, dude, they love them. Yep. Fandango, Fandango. There you last, go. Last sold listing, September 14th for $57.95. I forgot to pull the Kofi listing, so let's move on to Rikishi. <laughs> I just actually noticed that. 
<laughs> this is such a professional show, folks. Oh, I forgot to do that. Now ah, let's carry on. <laughs> Rikishi last sold listing. Actually, it sold both sold on August third. With the sarong off was one hundred dollars. The sarong on was one hundred and four dollars. RVD with the steel chair last sold listing August thirtieth for two hundred and thirty nine dollars. What? RVD last sold listing on August thirtieth for two hundred and thirty nine dollars. Wow. Holy crap. People love RVD apparently way more than Billy Gunn. Dude, RVD is so huge, dude. Like, you don't understand how his fan base, dude. They just love him. No, I get it. He's amazing. But uh, figure toy companies, take note. People love RVD. Undertaker, black entrance robe, last sold listing August 15th for $44.79. Well... I guess you didn't get as good of a deal as we thought you did a few years ago. I've profited $24. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that will be one new elite at its current price. There you go. Yeah, and to pay retail several years after the figure came out, dude, you did well. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to go down and say this is one of the best series so far that we've read off. I mean, the Rikishi look great. RVD look great. Taker look great. Fandango, even though he just came with an entrance vest, look great. Billy Gunn, they always crush Billy Gunn figures. Look great, dude. I totally agree. Strong series from Mattel. Scott, we are going to get into Justin Summers' question and then play Who Did It Better. Are you ready? I can't wait. Justin, I told you last week that we were going to get into your question this week. We are men of our words because we have many of them. <laughs> we have the best words. We have the bestest words. The, the smidgest, most wonderfulest. Bestest. Justin, let's see what you got to say. Hello, influencer Scott and Jeff. This is once again Justin Summers from Wrestling Cheers with my now bi-weekly question. So I was thinking about some toy lines of my childhood, and I kind of got thinking of some underrated ones, especially after hearing you guys talk about Mask last week. To me, that's an underrated toy line because I don't feel like I hear a lot of people talk about it, and I only vaguely remember Mask from my childhood, but I do remember liking it. So I was thinking about some sort of question that would revolve around some of these toy lines, but I got a better one. What is one toy line that you had growing up? And knowing a lot of our toy lines, they did have a TV show connected to it. Probably a cartoon. So if you could take one of these properties and turn it into a movie that already hasn't been turned into a movie, and we'll go with a standard major motion picture, so you know, something that was released widely in theaters, but which property would you like to see turn into a movie? For me, it just has to be Captain Planet. I don't know how good a Captain Planet movie would be, but it was a beloved uh, show and toy line of my childhood. Like when I think of Tiger electronic handheld games, I think of the Captain Planet game that I had. And I think that show was very much ahead of its time, 
even to the fact of I had a Captain Planet board game that I don't think I ever actually played, but all of the pieces of it and parts of it were made from recycled material. They were living the gimmick. And I know there was a like college humor thing where I think it was Don Cheadle was Captain Planet. And I also think of the robot chicken segment where Ted Turner turns into Captain Planet. But I don't know. I would love to see it get pulled off. Would it, would it be any good? Probably not. But maybe that could reintroduce some nostalgia for Captain Planet. And we would get some new merch as well as some reissued uh, old toys. And maybe some new toys. Whatever it may be. But that's the one that comes to mind for that. For me. How about you guys? That will do it for me this week. Thank you for everything you guys do. You guys are awesome. Jeff, good luck to the Bills this year. And maybe our teams will meet in the playoffs. But we'll see. And don't forget to have your influencers spayed and neutered. Later. Thank you, Justin. So far, it's not looking good for either one of our teams. But hey, we've got 16 more weeks. So game on. It's going to be a sprint to the finish. How many games are on the season now? Did they change it? Yeah, it's now 17. Oh, they did add the extra game, yep, huh? Yeah, took away a preseason game and added it to the regular season, which I thought was great. Oof. Yeah, I don't know about the players, though, man. You start extending the season in any way, shape, or form. That adds up with injuries, and I'm actually kind of surprised the Players Association agreed to that. Scott, one toy line that could be a movie. Isn't the easy answer mask? It really is. That's it, all it, I could think. Well, no, I've got one. It's not Mask, but it is also Mask. Like, transforming cars and motorcycles and boats and Jeeps and planes. Like, what a cool concept. In addition to these cool masks that the characters wear that have all these special powers with them. Dude, I think the cartoon was cool, but I think a movie would be even better. You could probably slim down the universe like you don't need to have every single one that was made have a part in the movie because it it seems like it needs a little bit of thinning down because there was so much but even if you just have the basics like matt trackers trans am or whatever the thunderbird whatever it was the rhino the condor miles mayhem's jet the piranha motorcycle like even if you just have a few of those like when the transformers movie came out They didn't have all of the Transformers in it, right? But it was still pretty cool to see giant transforming robots on the screen. I think Mask, if you scaled down the universe a little bit, would still be amazing. I think it would be a cool story to tell, Jeff, but mine is Silverhawks. Oh, yes. Good call on that one. I didn't even think of them. I think that would be cool as well as Voltron. Voltron has not had a live action film. as To the best of my knowledge, anyway, it was just a cartoon. But I think Voltron would be amazing, and I think Silverhawks, a live-action Silverhawks would be very cool, especially with the relaunch by Super 7. I would love to see somebody tackle a movie of that. Um, and You know what? What the hell? Thundercats. Oh, yes. Great call, dude. Although I get a little concerned saying Thundercats because of the movie Cats and how horrible the actors looked in it <laughs> and how frightening they were. Like, you start to think that they're going to give Thundercats the same treatment, and I immediately pull it off the table. <laughs> I'm like, nope, never mind. We'll keep the cartoon. We're good. Moving on.
it's funny. I keep thinking of all these cartoons that I used to watch back in the day or had toys of. So I was like thinking of Smurfs. I was like, no, they had a movie. Yeah. I was like Alvin, the chipmunks. No, they had a movie. Yep. Uh, another one that hasn't had a movie ducktales but i mean i don't know how you do that oh yeah that would be weird that would be basically like howard the duck yeah yeah which i guess wouldn't be that bad but it's like when you have the cartoon you've already kind of set the bar pretty high yep that's a pretty big measuring stick so man you want to kind of shoot low and that's why i'm like okay maybe silverhawks thundercats would be a gamble i don't know how the outfits would turn out in that could be frightening like cats (laughs) <laughs> but Silverhawks and Mask, really, and Voltron, too, I think are kind of no-brainers that the cartoons were cool, but I think live action would be very cool. And I think Mask would probably be the best out of all of them. And I actually had hope for a Mask movie because they were talking about incorporating that into the G.I. Joe universe for the films that came out in the early 2010s. But unfortunately, that never came to be. And it seems that all conversation about Mask films in general have kind of been tabled. And it, and we've talked about it before. Like, that's that one property from the 80s that really hasn't seen the light of day since the 80s. It seems every other property has, but that's the only one. So hopefully it comes back in some way, shape, or form. Either, you know, another cartoon series. They re-release some of the toys. But it, that's definitely the 80s property. I think that is most sorely needed for a relaunch. Well, do you remember around Comic-Con last year of 2020, Cena tweeted out, or sorry, Instagrammed out a picture of Mask? Yeah, and you were immediately starting to question, you know, are we going to, I think we even talked about it on the show. Like, what's he getting at? Like, are they talking about a live action film? Is he going to voice in a cartoon? You know, what's the plan here? Because that needs to make a comeback. Mask was just a cool, transforming cars, Outside of the Transformers universe, transforming cars with little dudes that go inside of them with these super-powered masks, that's a badass property. Definitely one that needs to get relaunched. Absolutely. thats It's funny, too, because you're like, that's where your mind goes, and that's where my mind was going the whole time Justin was talking. I was like, yeah, mask. Yep. But look, King Kong had a movie. They even put Godzilla in it. So if those monsters can have a movie, there's no reason they can't do a Voltron one with some big badass robots in it. So Voltron would be cool as well, but I think the one that would just be like over the top, like especially if you had Michael Bay do it, <laughs> like it would be, I know, but it would be insane. It would just be straight up insane. And I would love every minute of it. Turn yeah. off my brain and enjoy the transforming cars and super powered helmets. Scott, that's the first time Justin says that the influencer needs to get uh, spayed and neutered. <laughs> This influencer is thinking about it, actually. (laughs) Sorry, Trojan. Now you're starting to influence me to get one. (laughs) No more rings in my wallet. (laughs) Uh, Justin, thank you so much, man. Thank you for your question. Sorry we didn't get in last week. It was... uh... We had to record a little bit early, and it's been chaotic ever since. So thank you, Justin. We appreciate you, man. Scott, it is now time to play Who Did It Better? And who did we decide upon this week? Thankfully, this is not about anyone who has recently passed because unfortunately this segment kind of got tied to that. So I'm happy to kind of break away from that kind of bad tradition and just play the game and enjoy it for what it is. And Jeff, this week, 
We're talking Sergeant Slaughter. Booyah. The dude has had a lot of figures. And what many claim to be his LJN, while it is mostly in scale with the LJN line, maybe more so with the Paul Orndorff LJN, it's actually a Hasbro figure. Hasbro released it to kind of have it kick the ass of all of your LJN figures. But this was actually a Hasbro release to coincide with their G.I. Joe line. So it was more of a Hasbro than it was an LJN. But at the end of the day, it was made of the same materials, mostly of what the LJNs were. It was mostly in scale. So that's the ring that it got thrown into. So technically, Sergeant Slaughter had an LJN. We all know he had a Hasbro. Then he had some classic superstars. He's had some Mattel figures. Quite a few. And he was in several. He was in single packs. He was in double packs. So he had several classic superstars. In Mattel, he's had elites. He's had basics. He's been in their Legends line. And they've pretty much covered the gamut of all Sergeant Slaughter figures. And in fact, there's a Colonel Mustafa Elite that just recently got released to piggyback off of Heel Sergeant Slaughter's 91 run, which I think is very, very cool. But a lot of figures to choose from. My personal favorite, it probably would have been the Hasbro if you had asked me in, say, April or May. But when they showed off the upcoming San Diego Comic-Con exclusive, that immediately became my favorite Sergeant Slaughter figure. And it was really a no-brainer. Between the packaging that was a love letter to LJN, which we discussed kind of the history of the Sergeant Slaughter LJN, it became a no-brainer. That is my favorite slide. And I hate to have another guy whose favorite figure of mine is a Comic-Con exclusive, but they just knocked it out of the park. I do want to point out Sergeant Slaughter almost had a legitimate LJN figure. He would have been in Series 1, was actually slated to be in Series 1. But he had the deal with Hasbro to be in the G.I. Joe series. In order to have the LJN produced, Slaughter would have had to have basically walked away from that G.I. Joe deal. He said, no, sir. And therefore, that Sergeant Slaughter LJN, which was him basically doing a salute, got shelved. And there's only prototypes out there. There's a few painted ones, to the best of my knowledge. Uh, I never actually got released, never saw the light of day. So we actually missed out on a Series 1 Sergeant Slaughter LJN figure. So that's your favorite one is the new Comic-Con exclusive one, huh? Yeah, and you know for me, packaging, because I'm an MOC collector, packaging goes a long way. But it's not just the packaging with this one. Even though they did a blue card, they did the black card variant, the figure itself is outstanding. The cloth goods accessories, I love it. Great looking figure, great packaging. It's what you would expect from Comic-Con. They've kind of set the standard or the bar pretty high with their releases for Comic-Con now. But that one, as soon as I saw it, I was the emoji with the hearts and the eyes. I love that Slaughter figure. So my favorite Sergeant Slaughter is actually a Toy Fair exclusive. And I don't know if you remember this one, Scott, but it was a Jax classic. He had on a painted brown tank top type thing. Yes, and it had the red, white, and blue stars on that. Yep. Camo pants and a camo jacket that was packaged in the lower right-hand part of the box. But behind him was the American flag. That's actually the one that I got signed when we met him in 2007. Oh, is that the one you got signed? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. 
yeah, that's my favorite Sergeant Slaughter just because of the packaging and the way it looks. And I don't know, everything about it screams Sarge. And maybe I'm not choosing the Comic-Con exclusive because I don't have it in hand just yet. So I can't really say 100% that this upcoming Comic-Con, when it gets here, is going to be my favorite. I'm going to have to say, as of right now, this Toy Fair one is. So we're not including G.I. Joe figures, the Hasbro three and three quarter G.I. Joe figures in this one. Correct. Because he did have several of those, one that came with a vehicle. There was a mail away slaughter that came with a little riding crop. Uh, There was also a build and brawl Sergeant Slaughter figure that a lot of people use as a crossover for their three and three quarter Joes, specifically for the 2007 re-release of G.I. Joe, which was the 25th anniversary. A lot of people use that build and brawl slaughter with that, which I think is a very cool idea. It totally fits in. But if I had to pick one in hand, Jeff, that's in the collection now, I would pick his, his Hasbro figure. There is just something about that figure and it's the magic of Hasbro. I don't know how they did it, but they could take a dude, shrink him down to four inches in size, and perfectly capture him. Like, you look at that Hasbro Sergeant Slaughter, there is no doubt in your mind that that is Sergeant Slaughter. It is Sarge through and through. I love the finger point. I love the grimace on the face. The only thing that kicks a little bit is the hat that you can't take off. But, because I'm a stickler for that, entrance gear should not be stuck on the figure. It's just, it's a thing with me. But it's forgivable. With that figure, it's a perfect Sergeant Slaughter. So if I have to go with one that I have now in the collection, it's Hasbro. Otherwise, it's that Comic-Con exclusive, dude. That figure is so good. I was about to ask you about the hat. I didn't know if that was going to be a sticking point with you. It is. It is kind of a sticking point. But sometimes a figure is so good that it's forgivable. And in that case, for me, it is forgivable. But I love your choice of figure, dude. Uh, when I found out Slaughter was going to be signing at that optometry place in San Francisco, that was the one I knew I had to get signed. I love the appearance of it. Again, MOC collector, the American flag behind him. Everything about it just screams Slaughter and America. It's amazing. He signed it for me. He put me in the Cobra clutch. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> one funny thing about that picture, I'm wearing my DX shirt, like the old school with two words for you on the back. He's got me in the Cobra clutch. And when he did, my shirt kind of came up a little bit in the front. So you kind of see my tummy in the picture. I'm still so embarrassed about that. That picture will never see the light of day. (laughs) Ever, unless you come over and snap it and put it on Twitter. In which case, I'll have you killed. Just warning you now. Speaking of crossovers, dude, uh, Jordan Cassatt and I were talking the other day. If CM Punk would have had a UFC figure, do you think that figure would have gone banana? Like just all the wrestling fans just clamoring for it? I think so. I think so, too. Yeah, I mean, because you can take the head off of it, if anything, and put it on an existing wrestling body and do some custom work, and boom, you got CM Punk. Yeah, I absolutely think everything CM Punk right now is just going bonkers in value, and it's insane to the point where I'm like, should I sell that CM Punk costume? But, you know, I made it Wish Famous, so no, (laughs) I'm not selling the CM Punk costume. But yeah, it's crazy how much his figures are going for now. But yeah, absolutely, if there was a UFC figure of Punk, it would be going for quite a bit. Your junk was all up in that stuff, dude. <laughs> well, no, I, I never freeballed it in that costume. You're like Dr. Roxo from uh, Metalocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I do cocaine. I do cocaine. It's cool that you ha- you took a picture with a, a dude that dressed up like him at a Reno Comic Con. Uh, dude, you would have not done the same thing. Oh, God, yeah, I would have, dude. 
Yes. I ran up to him and I was like, dude, I got to get a picture with you. And he hella laughed and he's like, all right. <laughs> and I snapped the picture. Oh my gosh. Like, and I have yet to see a Dr. Roxo since. God, that was such a good cartoon. It was. Anyways, Scott, that rounds out the show. We want everybody to check out WrestlingToyTracker.com. Over there, you can find the loose and carded prices of LJNs, Galoobs, Hasbros, Just Toys, Bendoms, Retros, Defining Moments. If you are in the hunt for any of those figures on eBay right now, head on over to WrestlingToyTracker.com to check and see if you are getting the fair price. Moving along to our podcasting buddies. Of course, we want you to check out Breaker and Bane. Breaker has a couple of side projects as well. TB Toycast, where him and Travis talk old school toy lines. And you know it's fake, right? So check those out. We want you to check out Doing the Favor. I was listening to Doing the Favor the other day, dude. And uh, they were talking wrestling. And they were talking to AEW, and you can just hear the love of wrestling coming back into their voice. That's great. AEW has kind of rejuvenated them. By the way, we overlooked this, but congrats to Big E. Oh, yeah, I was kind of going to mention that as we were rounding out the show, but yeah, that's amazing. I do have a gripe, though. Okay, let's see if your gripe is my gripe. Go for it. Okay. I love that Biggie is Biggie is champ. Agree. I love Biggie. I think he's fantastic. But that's not how I would have booked it. Uh, okay, so I think we're we're thinking maybe the same thing here. How would you have booked it? Okay, so putting my fantasy Booker hat on right now. That hat looks good on you. Thank you. It's my actual hair. So <laughs> pulling back the curtain a little. So what I would have done is I would have kept Biggie on SmackDown. I would have began the tease next month, starting next month before Survivor Series, of Big E and Roman. And whether it was just them crossing paths in the back, and a glance, or something. There would have been little snippets here and there for the next few months. So, Or like they're in the men's room and they cross streams. Uh, right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, cool. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I see. So it would have been little spackles of hints being dropped, but they never, they never touched. They just happened to pass each other or Big E is hanging out in the back while Roman's cutting into promo or, you know, stuff like that. Anyways, then we would have gotten to the Rumble. Big E would not win the Rumble. Somebody from Raw would win the Rumble. Next night, they challenge Lashley or whoever the Raw champion is. Big E goes to SmackDown on Friday night. And goes up to Roman, he goes, hey, I see that so-and-so challenged Lashley for Mania. So I see you have an open night, so I think there would be a good time to cash this in. Boom. Biggie and Roman in the main event, Biggie gets his moment. I see. So you would have put it in front of a WrestleMania crowd instead of a Raw crowd. Oh, 100%, dude. 100. Okay. That's And Biggie deserves <clears throat> that WrestleMania moment. I mean... What's Big E's WrestleMania moment? Getting stunned by Austin, super kicked by Shawn Michaels, and then Mandible Claw by Mick Foley? I mean, that's cool. It was it was a cool moment. But, I mean, come on, man. Give him that one moment on the biggest stage. So I agree with you that it was a bigger moment than Raw deserved. But I'm actually going to jump in the time machine and go back to Vegas. And I was saying this before SummerSlam. 
Lashley and Goldberg should have let off the show. Lashley wins. It could have even been the same exact match as Lashley and Goldberg had at SummerSlam. But by leading off, they have that match out of the way. At the conclusion, Big E comes out, challenges and defeats Lashley to win the title in the opening match of the first huge supercard back from the pandemic. It would have been a great feel-good moment for the crowd, especially coming off of AEW's big night the night before with having CM Punk come back. I think that it would have been a great moment not only for WWE, but a great moment for Big E to celebrate a big win in front of a ton of fans that was way more deserving of a big pay-per-view than to do it on a Monday Night Raw. I'm glad it happened. I'm with you. I just feel a bigger stage was warranted for that event or that moment. I love the drawn out builds, dude. I love the drawn out. I love the little hints being dropped. I'm more for the biggest moment and Biggie deserved that WrestleMania moment in the main event, taking down Roman. Let's say Roman was a champ for a year and a half and he takes him down. That's a moment, dude. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. Stop disagreeing with me. Stop disagreeing. (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry. (laughs) glad you're listening but i want to go back to doing the favor check out those guys over on their website doingthefavor.com you can listen to their show then you can also check out the upcs and skews for brickseek and Popfinder. so again check out doing the favor check out positively pro wrestling podcast they just recently did a podcast on a royal rumble i don't know which one scott all right well done dude Thank I mean, you. there's only like, what, 40 to choose from? Something like that? Something like that, yeah. I just saw it was a Royal Rumble. I didn't get a chance to listen yet. That's usually either my listening before Drunk Wrestling History or after Drunk Wrestling History. Then I get into the Chick-fil-A show. But we want you to check out Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. I mentioned them. And check them out. Chick-fil-A show with Sheena, Seth, Marco. Seth texted me and he goes, he goes I'm having seller's remorse of selling off that set. And I almost messaged him, dude, to purchase that set from him. Oh, the turtle set? Yep. Oh, man. Yeah, just one of those unique items. I've never seen it done before. And obviously Eastman hadn't either. Very, very cool piece, man. I'd be having some remorse myself. Sorry, Seth. I just, I, I sympathize with you, dude. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But man, that was a cool piece. I almost hit him up, too, to see if he had sold it. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> I, I dropped too much on fantasy football. I can't get into turtles. I've got all my money invested in fantasy football. Even though <laughs> technically you were playing on house money from last year. I'm just going to point that out. Uh, yes, that is true. Justin, you heard it. You heard him earlier from wrestling cheers. Thank you for your question. We love you over here, man. And love everything you do. RJ over at ringside rant, check out Marty and Rucker over at boot to the face. Check out Tim with pulling up a chair and Scott, what you got for drunk wrestling history. Yes, give us a follow on Twitter at Wrestling underscore Drunk. The show that dropped this past Friday was all about jobbers. We each picked three, we discussed, and they jobbed out. So if jobbers interest you, check out the latest episode of Drunk Wrestling History. Again, on Twitter at Wrestling underscore Drunk. You can download the show wherever you find your podcasts at because we are Drunk Wrestling History. where We're not always accurate, but we're always drunk. So, Iron Mike Sharp. Possibly. Italian Stallion. Nope. Really? Nope. Wow. I thought Italian Stallion would be on there. Uh, Mickey J. 
who became a ref. <laughs> nope, no Mickey J. Okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> Reno Riggins, he has to be on there. No, there is no Reno Riggins. What? You just got to listen to the episode. Again, we only picked three, dude. Barry Hardy. We each picked three. We discussed, and there were jobbers. Dale Wolf. I mean, come on, Barry O. I mean, I, am I? Uh, oh, uh, yes. Conquist- you got one. Conquistadors, Dwayne Gill. You got to listen to the episode, dude. Let's see if yours made it. Barry Horowitz. I think somebody mentioned him. Okay. All right. Anyways, you guys check out the show. I love talking jobbers, dude. 80s jobbers. Yes. They were not all 80s, by the way. The Mokies? Mokies were on there? I'm pretty sure they were on there. Okay, good, good, good. And speaking of fantastic comedians, great comedians, check out Marty DeRosa and Sarah Shockey over at Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling. And every single day, Ryan Buzz does trivia with Buzz. Scott, roll call. Yes, going to throw it out to Jason Wolf. He is our artist, and he should be yours too. Does amazing work. You can check out his website and his work over at Doyle. That's D-O-Y-L-E draws.com. Check out his cool stuff. He does custom figures. He does killer artwork. A great dude. You won't be disappointed. Hit him up, DoyleDraws.com. And Jeff, that rounds out roll call. Scott, what was your favorite Norm McDonald moment? Ooh, man. It could be the better than Ezra joke. I think I know this one, but go ahead and tell it. That was the one where he was going over the top of the college music charts. (laughs) Where number one was better than Ezra. And number two was Ezra. <laughs> I love that one. I love when he ripped on Michael Jackson. Oh, I'm not going to go into those jokes aside from the fact that, no, I'm not even going to go into it. <laughs> you just, he was on Conan when he said it and I about died. I'm not going to repeat it on this show, but it was hilarious. Uh, he just, there was so much from him and it's hard to pick a favorite just because he had such that that mind that I guess only a true comedian could have. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he was so quick. And the stuff that he would do on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live, you're like, <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> like, he would hit below the belt and it would be hilarious. The roast that he did with Bob Saget. You remember that one? Absolutely. When he took it old school. Yep. And he had like the old insults. I loved that because you're so used to these people just going up and throwing fireballs at each other. And he comes up and takes it old timey. And I just loved how unique that was. And you listen to it and you're like, this dude's bombing. But then like four or five, maybe six jokes in, you're like, okay, I see what he's doing. He's killing. Yep. And it was incredible. And again, we talked about him earlier, just an incredible comedic mind, a genius and all fans of comedy, Jeff, yourself included, we're all going to miss them. You know what's funny, dude, is I think Comedy Central's producers or whatnot, they told him to go up there and be shocking. Well, he went up there on the Bob Saget roast, I should say. He went up there and he started telling old school 50s jokes. Yes. Gilbert Godfrey and Bob Saget were like the only ones that got it right off the bat. Then you could see, um, I think it was Greg Giraldo. 
Yeah. Great. He started dying laughing because yeah, because ev- he said he was for the birds. Yes, <laughs> that was great, dude. <laughs> that was great. But everybody started to catch on of what he was doing. Yeah, but you're right. Bob got it right off the bat, dude. He loved it. He was laughing the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And it, as I said earlier in the show, this one really, this one really sucked. And yeah, you know, I won't, I won't say it hit me harder like the Mitch Hedberg one, but I mean, it definitely hit me hard. So. R.I.P. Norm McDonald. Scott, anything else? Norm, we're going to miss you. Big E, huge congrats to you, sir. But to all of the listeners, stay safe, stay healthy. Fig Life since 2016, and happy toy hunting. I want to thank everyone for listening to episode 296. R.I.P. Norm. Hashtag Fig Life. Adios. Let's go Jeff and Scott, the Tomb Brothers, busting out the ring But we don't take it out the box, M.O.C. Happy toy hunting, we'll see you next week We're the OGs of WFP Fully posable, thank you all for listening It ain't no storyline, real life siblings So everybody go and do your toy spotting Hashtag Fig Life, adios from the Kings